Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Today we have joining us Rebecca Grimes. Rebecca, welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Thank you. I am excited to be here today. I'm excited to have you on the show. Rebecca, tell us a bit about your current role and your company. Sure. I am the Chief Revenue Officer at Ruby.com and my responsibilities include sales, marketing, partnerships, and customer success. So the entire journey from becomes a lead to Ruby all the way through ongoing retention and growth. And um, Ruby is an incredibly special company. We are a virtual receptionist and chat services company that focus specifically on the small and medium-sized business community. And so uh, deep roots, almost 18 years um, old, uh, but really deep roots in community building and giving back and uh, the the responsibility that we feel for in service to the small business community and how those moments matter and the care of the customers that we take with our uh, with our employee base and making sure that there is uh, you know every call gets answered every customer feels heard no lead gets missed whether that comes through the website or through the phone is really um, in the fabric and DNA of all Rubies. Ruby, it, I've been hearing about Ruby forever. You know, as an entrepreneur, I think you'd have to pretty much live in a hole to not know about Ruby. Um, it, it, Ruby is a great company, and I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Um, Thank you. When you think back over your career, can you tell me about the three things that you believe have really contributed to your success? Yeah, you know, I think it starts with um, the fantastic people, coaches, and mentors that I've had the opportunity to. Um, meet either through my network or through the roles that I've had across several companies. Um, today, I am at Ruby because I met Kate Winkler, who I know as Kate Edwards, because I, I met her before she married her, her husband. Um, but we met very early in my career. She was a first-time CEO. I was a first-time director of marketing. And um, and I would go on to work with her at another company. And, uh, and then we would just stay in touch through the years. And so you know, when she joined Ruby, I was incredibly excited uh, to hear uh, that she was joining this special company. And uh, and then, you know, a handful of months later, an opportunity presented itself. And she's one of those people that um, that you follow. And uh, and I've been very blessed to have several folks uh, like that that I've met in my career. I would think, you know, that's very related to just the network. And uh, you know, by design, Chicago tech is a small world and um and that has changed over the last 10 years where it is no longer chicago tech it is a small world as tech is a small world and um and i you know by design you know carve out time to network and spend time meeting new people learning from others networking and it is probably the last thing that's always on the to-do list but it is one of the most important things that I have found have contributed to me bringing on talent, to me getting new ideas, to me meeting new people. And so, you know, that's an important um, contributing factor. And then I think the last thing is, um, you know, I, I'm a get shit done kind of a person. I had to become comfortable living in a, a state of change. And I know that that isn't 
uh, easy for many people, but you know, usually when I'm brought into an organization, it is to to scale, to rebuild, to start from scratch, and uh, and that requires being comfortable that what we did yesterday is now what we're going to do today, and it's sure now what we're going to do tomorrow. And I think that um, that most of the companies went through years and years of change management, all in a handful of months when the pandemic obviously hit last year. Um, but I, uh, you know, I saw that as an opportunity to really push Ruby into uh, a, a new place alongside the rest of the, the leadership team here. And, um, and so I, those are probably the three things that come to mind. That's tremendous. Now, you, you've started your career in your, your sales career as a marketer. Can you tell us about your journey? I did. Um, I first started off, I went to school for journalism. I did that for 10 months. I had all the regrets moments into my, my first few weeks as a, as a reporter. Um, but I had undergrad in, in marketing and comms that obviously helped me pivot and transition. Um, and I started out as a one, uh, one person out of a 12 person proposal center at Service Master. And so I was in marketing, I was packaging up things to help accelerate the sale. And for those of you who um, remember, RFPs used to be these super thick binders that you had to FedEx and overnight make copies of. And, and that's what I lived in. And, and so I got a flavor of marketing and sales very early on in my career. I would then spend you know, the next 10, 12 years uh, you know, cutting my teeth against all disciplines of marketing. But when I uh, when I found myself at Vibes, I spent the first few years completing a pivot into um, the enterprise retail space with mobile marketing, and I wanted to learn sales. I worked alongside sales for all of my career, and so we had just brought on a new head of sales. I, uh, I said, I'd love to build out this team with you. We were going to be rebuilding this team from scratch processes, building out a BDR team, solutions consulting. What is our enterprise go-to-market model? And all of that, um, you know, really made me a better marketer. It helped me understand what lead quality looked like, um, how all leads are not created equal, uh, what the real kind of partnership needed to look like between sales and marketing organizations. And so I would, you know, then go on to, you know, run marketing again. And then at Ruby, I um, I run both sales and marketing. So the, and, and the partnerships team. So the full, um, the full growth and uh, and now the retention team with uh, with my recent promotion to chief revenue officer. Was that a difficult transition or or uh, to step into this current role as a CRO coming from a marketing background? Now you're leading the sales organization as well. You know the the two years that I spent in sales leadership at Vibes, um, you know that that was an enterprise you know opportunity and the the heartbreak of you know, working so hard on an enterprise deal only to not be awarded that business or the success that you would celebrate after working so hard and, and winning, um, winning that logo, you know, it definitely is a very humbling role. Sales is a grind and, you know, people by design choose that as a career or think that they want a career in that and, and move out of it. And, um, and what, what I really appreciate in, in the current role that I have is that, uh, the the sales process is is unique. We're you know we're selling to small businesses, and you know the the enterprise sale, the cycle, the length, the duration is incredibly different than what we do here. It is about trust building, relationship establishment, 
these are mostly conversations that happen over the phone, not in in person or face to face via Zoom. And these small business owners are, you know, potentially running between jobs and in their car. And so we have the moments matter when we're, you know, when there's some arc of pain that's that's got their interest of wanting to learn more about our services. And and so we have we have, you know, a unique opportunity to help them understand our value and. And that sales process has evolved to be this incredibly consultative selling process over the last um, 14 months since, since I joined Ruby and, and as we brought in new talent because the, the needs of our buyers are changing and especially over the last year, those needs have, have changed. And so I think that I, I am both a better salesperson and a better marketer because I, I, I straddle both worlds all the time. Yeah. Um... The, uh, when it comes to, to uh, sales leadership, I, I've talked to many people on the show and they've talked about the importance of having a great team. When you came into your current role, um, what'd you do the first 90 days? I did a lot. <laughs> My first 90 days, the, yeah. the pandemic was introduced in, in the first 90 days after I joined Ruby. So, you know, I, I start by listening. I think that that is critically important when any new leader joins an organization. There is a wealth of knowledge in terms of what's working, what's not working things that we need to be prior, prioritizing. And so I met, you know, my first few weeks there was meeting every single member of the team and listening. And, um, and, and from there, then really building out, you know, what, what is that path forward? And we built out a plan and I built out an org and then the pandemic hit and that changed everything. Um, and, um, and again, that constant state of change, it was, okay, let's regroup. What's our path forward? You know, first we, we had to get all of our, you know, 550 team members remote. Uh, you know, these are people that have desktops and multiple monitors and equipment and, um, you know, not dedicated office space in their homes. And so we had, a, we had a lot of work to do there. And, you know, in particular with our, with our sales team, very similar setups that we had to, you know, replicate and, and create, you know, without losing a business that we're a 24 seven business. So we have to keep going as we're, um, as we're shifting and, and evolving. And I think that, you know, the, the, the first, you know, priorities that I, I wanted to understand after we got through all of that, were what are the KPIs that we measure ourselves on? What is the data that we have access to today? What is the data telling us that we should be doing potentially differently? And then obviously when the pandemic, um, you know, hit small businesses with shelter in place, you know, we had to regroup as a business. What did, you know, we had, you know, customers that you can, you know, cancel with 30 days notice and, you know, businesses that shut their, shut their doors didn't need us for that service. And so, you know, we had a responsibility to the rest of the, the Ruby employees to figure out how to market and sell in a very complicated landscape with the small business community. And we started by listening. What are the what are the resources that the small business community needs to figure out? They need to figure out how to lift and move to remote business. They need to figure out how to apply for the PPP loans. They need to understand um, if this is going to be short term or long term, and if it's going to be long term, how do they stand up a business without a physical location anymore? And so a lot of it turned into you know educational content that we were producing from a marketing perspective and then from a sales perspective, who were the least impacted small businesses that actually really needed us right now? And then where was the data telling us we needed to be? And so there, there was a lot of 
there was a lot of things that were all happening in parallel at the same time. And probably one of the, the biggest moments that I had uh, very early into my time at Ruby was we were, um, we were a sign-up based um, sales model and marketing model. And so we counted how many new customers we acquired. And what that did not tell us was how much money were those customers spending with us on a monthly basis? Where were the growth segments coming from? How did we need to potentially market and do segmentation to either bring more of one segment in or another? And so, you know, flipping that model upside down, redoing comp plans, redoing dashboards and KPI measurements, partnering with finance to understand how to translate a signup target into an MRR target. Um, and then, you know, how did that impact our MCAC and our LTV to CAC? And so everything from a KPI's perspective was flipped up upside down in the first 90 days by design to make sure that we understood what we were building and growing and being accountable for. Listening to you, it sounds like your marketing background really came in handy in this crisis time. At I, it did. And, you know, again, I, I was surrounded by a fantastic team who were helping me with the knowledge gap that I had about Ruby and our processes and our systems and our tools. But, you know, arguably, um, you know, the, the SMB community is so unique. And, and I, my first job was working for a small business. And so I have always felt deeply connected to small businesses. And so it was this rallying that we needed to do. And it started with us at the, at the point of how do we engage with this community? And that is marketing, that's marketing's job. Um, and then sales job was to how to understand if there's value in our services and sell that. And, um, and then from a partnerships perspective, who are the partners? You know, we started, we have a, a big legal services base. We started partnering with our bar associations to provide content to help navigate, you know, lawyers have physical offices, how do you, um, how do you bridge that gap and continue to service your customers in a remote way? And so we were just very focused on um, the needs of the community and the growth came after we focused on the needs of the community first. Do you think the fact that you were coming in from the outside when all this happened and you're, so you really didn't have that, that knowledge in your head about how the company worked that you're able to come in with a truly fresh perspective, do you think that helped or do you think it was harder I think I think in sometimes it helped and in sometimes it was harder. Um, you know, one of the one of the fantastic things about about Ruby is that we have such deep tenured people inside our organization. One of my sales team members has 11 years at Ruby out of the 18 years of the company's history. And um, and so, you know, from that perspective, you know, me me coming in with a fresh set of eyes was, you know, there was a lot of change that happened. You know, there were new tools that we had to implement. I mentioned the KPIs that we flipped upside down. Um, we evaluated our processes, our go-to-market strategy. Everything um, was up for consideration. But I also think we would have done that irrespective because of the pandemic. It it would have forced us to to have those conversations. But I was less emotional about those change management decisions because I. Um, I didn't build, I didn't build any of that, um, uh, that, that, that process or that systems or that go-to-market strategy. And it allowed us to really let the market lead us where we needed to go, um, you know, without, without bias of, you know, uh, emotion around like we, we did this, we have to, you know, we're all in on this versus what is the data telling us that we need to do? I'm a very pragmatic person and 
I, I live in data dashboards and, and with a curiosity to dig into things that look off. And, right. um, and so I, I, again, you know, that, that I think that that lended itself to us recovering in the way that we did and, um, and, and, you know, getting to a place of, you know, hiring a bunch of new talent last year in a, in, in a time when, you know, many, many folks were laying employees off. Right. Right. Looking back over that time, is there anything you would have done differently? Oh, um, I'm sure there's lots of things that I would have done differently. Um, you know, probably one of the most, um, you know, one of the most notable things was that we hired a bunch of people that never got a chance to meet each other. And, um, and you know, we started implementing these daily standups that were done, you know, remotely. And before that, we would do a little dance party where we'd play some music and catch up. And it was, you know, a social interaction. Um, it, you know, it, for, for me, I think that if we had known how long we were actually going to be apart and that these weren't people that were going, I hired a VP of sales that has not met his team ever. And we've hired 20 plus people on the sales and marketing organization over the last 12 months, again, that have never set foot in an office. And I think that, um, you know, we, we had to navigate how to extend culture and connection back to Ruby in a way where if you walk into our offices, you're immersed in who Ruby was as a culture. And I think it took us a little bit longer as an organization and then with, within my team to figure out how to do that in a remote world. And we're still figuring that out too. Yeah. As a leader, um, how, is, how important is, is it for you to show vulnerability to oh. your team? Is it important? I, I have done presentations on leading with vulnerability. It is, it is one of those, um, those uh, leadership qualities that I observed in Kate, our CEO, um, very early on in my career. And I'd like to think that I've taken my leadership, like little pieces of all of the fantastic leaders that I've had over the years. But that was one of the authenticity, authenticity, vulnerability. Those were some of the qualities that I'm drawn to naturally as a human being. And I don't know how to be any different as a leader. And so um, I shared on LinkedIn yesterday that I was on a meeting with my team when the verdict came in. I visibly cried in front of my team. I, 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 I think that it, it is uh, the acceptability of being vulnerable in front, especially now, like with everything that has happened over the last, um, you know, 14 months since the pandemic started, leading with compassion and empathy and, um, and letting people have space and take a moment is, is something that is probably going to be expected um, as, as, you know, businesses continue to evolve. And uh, I, I, um, I remember early in my career, uh, you know, being surrounded by, um, by leaders that, that were not vulnerable, that, you know, were very business is the only thing we're ever going to talk about, that didn't make an investment to know me as a human being and the things that I was passionate about and that I cared about and didn't take an interest in what I wanted to do next and how I wanted to be challenged and what growth looked like for me. And, you know, I, I was, I was drawn away from leaders like that. And so again, I think that, you know, my leadership style has been formed by both the best of who I've had the opportunity to work with and, and some of the folks that, you know, candidly, I probably wouldn't work with again, because we just fundamentally differed on, on the leadership style perspective. Do you share mistakes you've made in the past with your team? Yes. 
Uh, I, if we are not failing, we are not growing. And it is, it is something that we are constantly pushing on each other. I think that, um, I think that there are some people that either, you know, prior to joining Ruby, um, have had an experience where there's been punitive damages for failure. And I think that that, that has created a bit of PTSD for employees where, um, you know, if, if I make a mistake, I either have to cover it up or I've got to deflect blame somewhere else. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer that you own it. You take accountability. Even if it wasn't you, you fall on the sword and you learn from it and you create a path forward. And I think that that um, we are, uh, we, 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 we have on our Fridays during our standup, our Friday theme, we have a theme for every day of the week. Friday is Friday fails. And we talk about them every week as a team and we share, um, you know, we share funny stories of failure and we share actual, you know, really things that, um, that impact each other that, uh, again, vulnerability, we have to create a safe space where there aren't consequences for sharing things like that. Um, and we've worked very hard to, to, to create an environment where that is acceptable and expected that you are failing all the time. Right. I love that. I love that. Cause that, to me, that's, uh, I mean, you said it earlier, if you're not failing, you're not learning, you're not moving forward, you're not growing. Um, couldn't agree more. Let's shift to one of my favorite topics, CRM. Do you love it or do you hate it? Um, I, 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 there's a love-hate relationship that I have with a CRM. Obviously, it is a necessary evil. It is yep. how, I, how I forecast, how I understand the health of the work that we're doing, both on the growth and on the retention side. The segmentation of you know what is happening within our our customer base and our prospect database it is it is this necessary evil i will say that it, it gets you know more and more complex and um and you know the, the the ability to really scale a business without having to overhaul processes is becoming more and more difficult to to navigate and so um we, you know we're going through a new funnel revamp and modeling right now exercise and it's one of those painful cans that has been kicked down the road and we couldn't tackle it last year with everything that was going on and we ripped and replaced a bunch of the underlying tech that we had and so this was that last piece and it was okay we're we're gonna do it and most of the meetings are oh there's a lot of work to do and and again i think it's a constant state of changing as as we want to better understand and capture more data so that we can service our customers better it means that that we need to constantly be challenging what that crm delivers for us right i think it's a leading question for you a little bit based on what you said but one of the things that i see when we go in and look at crm for for companies where they're telling us look it's just not working for us is they're not spending enough time or they haven't spent enough time aligning their data to really support their strategic goals. Can you talk about how you're doing that at Ruby? Sure. Um, a great example of that would be um, our, you know, our vertical or as we you know, re refer to them as our segments. And so we've got key segments that, you know, historically we have found success in. And then there are new segments that emerged last year as results of the pandemic and new segments that needed our services. And um, there, there are some very broad categories that we had defined like home services as a, for instance, that could mean everything from an umbrella contracting business with multiple different um, skills that sit beneath that, or it could be 
a local plumber or a roofing company. And so home services is a broad category. It's incredibly hard to understand what are the needs of that unique business if you don't understand the subsegment. So that's a, a great example of how do you go historically identify subsegments of legacy data and existing customers that aren't easily identifiable. Sometimes the plumber doesn't have a website. Uh, you know, they they you you can't tell from their name what they potentially might do. And so you know that's that's just an example of you know as we grow and evolve. It isn't just about making a change in the system. It's how do you have pattern recognition data that's historical that you either map to the new process that you want to have in place, or you have data gaps that you have to fill in, or you just accept, I'm not going to have that data. And if you're like me, I want all the data. I want it to be mapped. I want it to be accurate. Um, you know, while what we did a year ago isn't going to be what we're probably going to do tomorrow, it's definitely informing either what we do or don't do, um, what we spend more time focused on or what we tried and failed and don't want to repeat that same mistake. And so, again, you know, I think that, um, that, you know, that, that, but you can over, you can over index as well. And I think we're experiencing that. Like you can try to have so many data fields that the sales process takes an extra 30 minutes in our case, you know, we're very transactional in nature. So we're closing, you know, 20, you're signing up, you know, 20 to 30 small businesses a day. And so, for, you know, every 30 minutes that you add to that, that's almost a full-time headcount. And so how do you balance the needs of the business to have data with also the, the consumption of the, the salesperson and, and, and the marketing team's time from a campaign perspective in order to find that, that right balance? What's your, you know, thinking back over your career with CRM, what has been the biggest pain point or struggle when it comes to CRM? Oh, I think that, um, I think that two things, I think data integrity and adoption, I think are kind of go hand in hand. And so, um, you know, similar to the, what I just was, you know, talking about with the sales team, if you make everything a required field and then they don't know the answer, they will make something up to fill in that field. Right. And so you immediately lose data integrity right at the, at, at the, at the onset of that. Um, I, I think the, you know, the other kind of side of that coin is that if it doesn't actually map to the funnel that you're taking people through from a forecasting perspective, it is really hard for you as a revenue leader to understand where your growth is going to come from, what your probability of hitting plan is, and then how fast there are levers that you can pull to either accelerate the growth of the business or pivot into a new segment or ICP. And so all of that, you know, depends on, um, on confidence level in the CRM and the data integrity that sits behind it. And no matter how clean you think your data is, it is never as clean as anybody like me is gonna want it to be um, and how most of my team uh, want it to be. Um, and finding that right balance there are sometimes done is better than perfect and directional data is better than no data. And, and, and really like, what are the really required fields uh, that we need to have? Because usually that starts at the front end. So if you put your marketing hat on, how many ca lead capture form fields do I need to have in order to effectively remarket to this? And there's new technology like progressive form filling where you recognize with a cookie, somebody's been to your site and now you ask for two more pieces of data before they interact. And so things have changed and they've constantly evolved. And after we ask for two, we're like, oh, but we really want these other two pieces of data too. It's this constant evolution. We never have enough data, but you can't pop all the data. 
No, no. And it, it, you, you said it, it. It's a balance and finding that balance. And the problem is the balance never, it's always shifting. It's always moving. You know, it's never static, uh, which yeah. keeps it interesting. Uh, yeah. We're coming up on our our time here. I think we actually went long because I just love listening to you. Um, if people want to find out about Ruby, what's the best way? You can you can visit our website at ruby.com. Um, there are uh, there are bundles of packages that we offer, and um, we also have this incredible partner ecosystem where we have integrations and partnerships with many other um, companies that again align in service to the small business community. So um, that's the best way. You can also find me on LinkedIn, and I'd be happy to point you in the right direction of folks here uh, here at Ruby. Yeah, that was my next question. So you read my mind. So <laughs> Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on Sales Lead Dog. It has been absolutely terrific listening to you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Watch the videos on YouTube, and you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog. Sales lead dog is supported by Impeller CRM, delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.